Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Today we're going to focus on the role of multiple generations, in particular, being a grandparent and leaving a legacy for multiple generations. And so to start uh, this sermon time, I want to invite Jose Reyes, one of our deacons, forward, and he's going to share a bit of a testimony from his experience as a grandparent. Okay, you want to step up? Going all the way. Go for it. Step up. I need this. Good morning, everyone. Just want you to know I'm nervous. Okay. My name is Jose Reyes, and I have been married for 38 years to the love of my life, Raquel. We have two wonderful children. Kevin, he's 36 years old, and Alyssa, she's 31-year-old. Kevin and his wife, Karina, they live in Florida, and they are the parents of my only grandchild, Joaquin. And I'm here to share with you my experience as a grandfather. Back in March of 2020, Kevin and Karina invited us through FaceTime to celebrate her mother's birthday. And as we started singing happy birthday, she came with a cake that said, happy birthday, grandma. When we all saw that, the sun ended. No one was singing happy birthday anymore. We went from one celebration to a better celebration. That was an amazing time. And my wife and I at home, what we did at that moment, we started praying. Now, a month later, we received a sonogram picture, the baby's first picture. And as I look at that picture, I'm mesmerized. I'm like, my God, what am I looking at? And the more I look at it, the more I look at it, it hit me. And I said, part of me is there. This is part of me. And I was like, and then something else hit me that I was going to be a grandfather. No, no, no. I was a grandfather at that moment. That's when I realized that I love my grandson. I am his grandfather. Uh, Get emotional. The baby was born November 25th of 2020. And we share video and prayers And throughout this time, my wife and I, we just prayed about the health of the baby and the mother, which, by the way, is a tremendous mother. I could not ask for a better mother for my grandson. But in December, we visit the baby for Christmas time. We had to wait two days. It was agony, waiting for the results of the rapid test. And when we finally got to carry the baby, of course, my wife carried him first. She was in tears, so I had to wipe her tears, and I put my arms around her, and we had to pray. And that's what we have been doing every day 
for our grandson and our family. What kind of prayers? You name it, all kinds of prayers. Prayers that he's healthy, for his protection, and the most important prayer is that somehow, thank God my son and his wife are Christian, they lead him to Christ. That was, that's what we do every day. And I, and I see him every day on FaceTime, and I cannot help. Even though I'm enjoying him and I'm talking to him, he calls me Papa, and he touches his head, because I'm bald. <laughs> he goes, he grabs the phone and says, Papa, Papa, so they can call me, or Nana, which is Raquel. And, uh, but every time I see him, even though I'm enjoying him, there's something that I cannot control. I'm always praying for him. And that's what I do. I'm at a distance. He's in Florida. That's all I can do. And yesterday, while I was talking to my son, and I was telling him what I was trying to do today, we exchanged ideas, and he put something together for me to read to you guys that he thinks, and I think reflects how I feel about family, prayer, and God. I'm going to read this to you. As a parent, I always knew that I needed to lead by example and that my words and my actions will have a lasting impact in the life of my children. But it is now as a grandfather that I realize the greatest gift that I can have on the life of my children is prayer. From so far away, only Jesus can touch their lives in the way I wish I could. And only Jesus could watch them, protect them, and care for them when I am not around. And this is why I remind my children to pray each and every day. That is my experience as a grandfather. I wish I have them every day with me, but I can't. He lives in Florida, and I'm here. And I thank God for everything that he has done for us and, and, and the parents, my son and his wife, and all of my family. Thank you. Thank you, Jose. What a great testimony. I want to invite David Bryant forward. As our guest preacher today, David, if you've been around New Providence Presbyterian Church, you know David well. Um, not only with us, but over 50 years of Christian ministry. And what a ministry it's been, David, in terms of you speaking in front of everyone from massive stadiums to seminars to preaching in our church. I remember one of my first memories of you coming back to visit and you preaching about Christ is all, and the supremacy of Christ. And, and you were giving out books, and I remember getting this massive book, and I'm like, this is incredible. I mean, if a book is to be written about the supremacy of Christ, it should be that big. And I remember not being able to put that book down because the content in there, just your words about Christ. And so all these years, you've been an encouragement to me. And, and though, again, he's spoken to many, he's written many books, many blog entries, many podcasts, um, how you speak to me it's been personal. He's given me some incredible letters and words of encouragement um, in my short time here. So I'm grateful for you, David. Grateful that you could preach today about leaving a legacy. And let's pray for David as we have this time together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for David Bryant, for the calling on his life. Uh, with the organization he's leading now, Proclaim Hope, and as they're seeking a Christ awakening, not only here in the New York, New Jersey area, but around the world. Thank you for all the ways that you have blessed him, used him, and 
multiplied his ministry throughout this world. I pray now that as he comes to preach about leaving a legacy, God, that you would use him for your noble purposes. You give him the words, give him words of truth, words of love, words of grace. And I pray that you'd open up our hearts to that love, grace, and truth as we hear from him. Thank you for David Bryant. Thank you for this time. We commit him and our church to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Good morning. You know, I want to thank Jeff for inviting me even to speak this morning because I've been preaching for 50 years and I still enjoy doing it and I can tell when Jeff preaches how much he enjoys it. So for one preacher to give up their preaching time to another preacher, that takes real humility and, and love and so thank you so much, Jeff. And I want to thank Jose. You know, Jose and I have been working out at the Y uh, for a number of years together. We have all kinds of great conversations together, but uh, what I knew what you were going to say because you and I have talked about it, but it was just perfect. It was beautiful. It was just right. And in a few minutes, I'm going to take what Jose shared and actually bring it in as a part of how I want to see us apply uh, the message that I'm going to be sharing with you uh, this morning. And then I finally want to thank New Providence Presbyterian Church because... Um, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a mission partner with this church now for over 30 years. And uh, during that time, so much, uh, we've seen God do so much. So much has been accomplished for the cause of Christ all across this nation and many other parts of the world. Uh, but, but this is our legacy together. This, this isn't just about me. This is about us. I often say that a, a, min, a ministry partner with a church is, is an extension of the life and the faith and the vision of that church taking it other places that the whole church can't go all together, but I can do it on your behalf. So that's sort of a legacy we also share together. So thank you so much for that. And that really is a great segue into the word I want us to think about this morning, and that is the word legacy. Um, th this, this is my grandfather's wedding band. Inside it says, inscribed 1905 <laughs> that's when he got married now when i announced to my parents that uh, robin and i uh, and incidentally robin is as much a part of this whole mix in this ministry as any other person in this world uh, she'll be in the other service later on but uh, when we announced that we were getting married my dad brought the ring out and he said well you know i've been saving this and you don't have to do this but this is your grandfather's wedding band. If you'd like to use it, you're welcome to use it. I said, absolutely, of course I will. And uh, that became a part of the legacy of my grandfather to me. Now, I never knew my grandfather because he died when my dad was 18 years old. But I still have some of his legacy. The ring, of course. The stories that have been told about him, like during the Depression years when he was running a little grocery store in a small town in West Virginia, and uh, people would come in needing to buy goods but having no money, and he'd let them go ahead and take it on credit, knowing full well he would probably never get paid back. That's part of his legacy to me, that testimony. And also, of course, my dad. <laughs> all that he built into my dad those 18 years, you know, ends up coming into my life all of the time I was growing up at home, and that was a part of my grandfather's legacy. Legacy is a beautiful term, and so the question I want to ask for all of us here in this room, and particularly for those of us who are older, <laughs> you know, what is your legacy? What do we want our legacy to be? Um, when I think about the book of Proverbs, you know, the book of Proverbs is really a gathering together of a, 
of King, King Solomon in his later years, gathering together all the wisdom he had collected over all of those years and uh, putting it into a book called Proverbs. And that becomes part of his legacy going down, you know, almost 3,000 years going down right down to us today. Of course, it is the inspired word of God, and that's why it has such power in our lives as well. So I want to ask you a question. What do you want your legacy to be? What, what would you say it is at this moment? What would you like it to be? Because this is really not for grandparents. <laughs> My message this morning maybe is more on the mind of someone as you move toward the end of life, but it ought to be the front and center for all of us all through our lives. What is it we're leaving behind? What do we want to leave behind? Now, one way you can find out somebody's legacy sometimes is reading the epitaph on a tombstone. My wife and I have a little hobby, and I hate to admit this, but we've traveled an awful lot. And if we ever pass a cemetery, sort of like the one here that's old and interesting, we'll stop and you know, take a few minutes and wander through and read some of the epitaphs. It's been quite an interesting experience. We used to live in Southern California, right near uh, Forest Lawn, which is probably the, the greatest or the most famous cemetery in America. A lot of famous people buried there. A lot of interesting epitaphs. For example, Mel Blanc, who's the one who created all the voices behind the Looney Tune cartoons. You know, the, the cartoons that always end with Porky Pig at the end saying, the dad, the dad, the dad's all, folks. Well, on his tombstone, his, uh, his epitaph is, that's all, folks. So I, I don't know if he means that his legacy to us, therefore, are all those cartoons. That's not such a bad legacy. They're pretty funny sometimes. Um, uh, Robert Frost, interesting, on his tombstone it says, I still have an argument with the world. That's an interesting thought to leave behind. And Floyd Patterson, the uh, famous world champion boxer, on his tombstone it says, a loving husband, father, and grandfather, and then these final words, a champion forever. So what do you think would be the, the inscription you'd like to have as the epitaph on your uh, tombstone? You know, there are other kinds of legacies. Uh, you can leave behind your possessions in your will. You might leave behind a business that you build up over all these years and somebody else takes over. You leave behind all the people you've built your life into, including your children and your grandchildren and all the ways that that can go on. There's all kinds of legacies. Now, if you were to ask me, what is my legacy? Over the years, I finally decided I could boil it down to one word. It's the legacy I've been leaving behind and the years I pastored a church in northeastern Ohio, the many, many years I traveled both across this country, around the world for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, to campuses and universities working with students. Uh, it's the legacy I've tried to leave behind, uh, working with the national, international prayer movement for many, many years, training uh, leaders, working with uh, prayer movements in many different languages, many different nations. It's the legacy I'm hoping to leave behind and what we're doing the last 20 years as we work for a, a nationwide Christ awakening movement. But it was as a, a very young man, about maybe 21 years of age, that I really began to understand what God was saying to me about what he wanted my legacy to be. Now, I've not, I've not done this consistently. I've not done this perfectly. I've failed many, many times to accomplish this goal, but it really crystallized for me 
early on, as I was pastoring this church in Northeast Ohio, Robin and I had just gotten married. And so as a married couple trying to pastor a church, there's some challenges that go with that. So we would, on Friday evenings, we would drive to an Amish Mennonite church. Now, the church I, or, or uh, restaurant, the church I pastored um, was in a university city, but about 20 minutes outside the city in the countryside, here was this wonderful Amish Mennonite restaurant. Now, if you've ever had Amish Mennonite cooking, you know uh, that is good home cooking, as good as you can get it anywhere. So we would go there on Friday nights and have a great Amish Mennonite meal. We'd end and you'd feel so full and so satisfied and so happy <clears throat> until you went to pay the bill. And then some of, that, some of that was taken away because when you went up to the cash register, uh, behind the person waiting on you, there was this huge plaque and it had a two-sentence poem on it. Maybe you've heard it before. I'd never seen it before. And it said this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Now, that sort of took the edge off of the meal for two reasons. Number one, it told me in the first line that no matter how full and happy and satisfied I felt, I was going to be dead pretty soon. <laughs> and, you know, that's not the way to end a good meal. The second line told me that no matter how good and right it is to, to be married, to take your wife out to dinner, to have a wonderful time together, that's all good. God loves that. But remember, that's not really what matters in the end. Because if you have eternity in view, the second line said, it's only what you do for Christ that's going to go with you. That's going to be your ultimate legacy. And so I began to, to sort of absorb that and think about it, because we went there almost every Friday. And, you know, after a while I got to think, I think that's, that's the way I want to live. I want to do something for Christ. I want my life to be so much about Christ that uh, that's what I take with me in, into eternity. And that's what I've really been trying to leave behind with me in the church I pastored, the students I met, uh, the praying people around the world. I didn't want to leave behind them better prayer. I wanted to leave behind more of Christ. And in the last 20 years, it's been the same way. It, 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 you know, no matter what, in all the books I've written, all the relationships I have, and in, in all the email, every time I send an email, which are dozens every day, I try to figure out if there's a way I can bring something about Christ into that email, no matter what the topic may be. Now, again, I have not done this perfectly or consistently or successfully all the time. And if you think what I'm sharing with you means that I, I must be some kind of super spiritual, then I'd like you to take you to the Apostle Paul. You know, there's something about the Apostle Paul most Christians don't realize. God raised him up for two reasons. Well, maybe even you could say three. To plant churches, that's one reason. To write a good part of our New Testament, that's the second reason. But the third reason God raised up Paul was to show us an example of what the ordinary average Christian should look like. Every Jesus follower should look like Paul. You know, Paul said on many occasions, he would say, be a, be a follower of me as I'm a follower of Christ. Or he would say, take my example about a certain thing. God raised up Paul to show us what we should all be, be like if we're being conformed to the image of Christ. But more than that, what we should all be about if we're a follower of Christ. 
which takes me to this passage in Philippians chapter 1, just to give an, a, an illustration. Uh, I'm going to read it to you in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, if we could put it up on the slide on the screen, and then you can read it along. Well, maybe you can. I can't even read that. From, can you read that up here okay? <laughs> wow, that, that's small print back there. So I brought it with me, fortunately. Just listen, listen to these words and think about Paul as being what we should all be. Paul says, so that now as always, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I, I love the um, Phillips translation says, and to die means just more of Christ. That's the way he paraphrases it. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between, between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for, for you that I remain in the body. And so convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and your joy in the faith so that through my being with you, again, your boasting, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Essentially, what Paul is saying there is, my whole life is about Christ. That's all that matters. And my whole, my whole relationship with you, you, you Christians in Philippi, it's all about Christ. And he says, you know, I want him to be manifested in me by life, by death. For me to live as Christ is the same as saying whatever's done for Christ will last. That's all that's possessing this man who is our example. And he says, you know, it would be so much better. I'd be much happier, you know, to be in the presence of the Lord whom I love and serve. But he said, I know that if I stay here, I can, I can leave more of a legacy. He's leaning into his legacy. I can have more of a legacy if I stay here a little bit longer. Why? So I can build more of Christ into you. Why? So that you'll start boasting in Christ in ways you wouldn't be able to do if I wasn't here making more of Christ in your life. And like I'm suggesting to you, this is, um, uh, this is the average, ordinary Christian life. So again, the plaque says it very clearly, only one life. It's going to be over pretty soon for all of us, not just grandparents. Only what's done for Christ. That's your ultimate legacy for all of us. So we need to lean into that legacy. Now, I know we're in a series called Address the Mess, dealing a lot with relationships and sometimes the issues of broken relationships, which caught my eye. That's why this study caught my eye this past month. Because a study came out from social scientists studying the, the American family that concluded two things out of this in-depth research. Number one, the key hallmark of, of many American families at this hour is estrangement, broken relationships, nuclear family, extended family, uh, people not able to get along with each other, people not understanding each other, people not even talking to each other, that this is one of the chief characteristics of the American family today. COVID, who knows all the reason, politics, everything getting into the mix. 
But the second discovery they made, that the one person in that whole uh, mix of, of family that has any real significant potential of bringing about healing are the elders in the clan, the grandparents. Because they have a measure of respect and experience and a depth of relationship with many of the other players where they can be the ones that can begin to rebuild those bridges. And when I read that, and I thought about Address the Mess, I immediately went to a character in the Bible that uh, we all know about, but maybe not everything about, and that's Jacob. There's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, remember? So Abraham is his grandfather, and Isaac is his father, and then, then there's Jacob. Now, the story of Jacob is pretty interesting because he was a scoundrel, you know, at the beginning. He stole his brother's inheritance, right? That's pretty bad right there. Then he, he broke with his family and ran away. Didn't see them for many, many years. And this uh, study on estrangement talked about how many families are suffering because people have pulled away and they haven't talked for years. And, and then after he got married, he betrayed his father-in-law. He's just the same old guy, it seems like. Uh, and then later, he, he, he raised 12 sons who didn't quite get along together. In fact, they hated the one brother so much that they sold him into slavery. So it wasn't exactly your happy family all the way through. But something happened to Jacob about halfway through this story. And we read about it in uh, Genesis chapter 32. He ended up one night... Before he entered back into the land, and the, you'll have to read the whole story, but he ended up one night down by the Jabbok River in a wrestling match with an angel for a whole night, which he came to understand was God's way of bringing God, God and Jacob face to face with each other. And it had such a transforming impact on his life that his name was changed from Jacob to Israel, which means he who struggles with God and prevails. And he said from that point on, what I have seen here, he said, I have seen the face of God. <laughs> so now we come to this passage, if you put it on the screen, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, about Jacob. Now let me, let me just, again, remind you, Hebrews chapter 11 is sometimes called the, the great faith chapter. You know, it's the one that begins, verse 1, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. I actually call it the great hope chapter because it says faith is the evidence of things hoped for. If you don't have the hope, you can't have the faith. As somebody said, hope is hearing the music of the future. Faith is dancing to it right now. So the examples that the writer of Hebrews 11 gives us of what he has says in verse 1 of people hearing the music of the future and dancing to it right now uh, takes us finally to a snapshot about Jacob at the very end of his life. Again, you can read about this in Genesis chapter 48. The very end of his life as a grandfather. <laughs> oh, incidentally, I am a grandfather. I have uh, five grandchildren. Now, they don't call me grandfather. They call me faux pas. I, I chose that name purposely. It's a play on the French word F-A-U-X-P-A-S, which means a dumb mistake right? But faux can also mean substitute. So I spell it F-A-U-X-P-A, pa, for, for dad, only I just do it F-O-P-A, faux pa. I'm sort of a substitute dad when needed in the life of my grandchildren. Um, 
So here he is as a grandfather, and it says, well, let's read the verse. It's up on the screen. Again, I'll just read it here. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Wow, what a, just get the picture now. And we can, you can read more about it in the 48th chapter of Genesis. But at this point in time, uh, Joseph has brought in his two, grand, his two sons, Jacob's grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Jacob is on his deathbed, so to speak. He's very weak. But he wants to do something right now related to his legacy. And so he struggles and he, he gets out of bed. Talk about leaning into your legacy. He has to lean on this staff to even uh, keep his balance. But he's determined to stand to do what he's about to do. And what does he do? Well, one word there is he worshiped. In other words, what he's about to do, he sees this as a worship experience. He sees this as bringing praise and glory to the living God. So he's worshiping. You could just see him sort of trembling, trying to hold his balance, trying to keep, keep strong and praising the Lord. And then it says he blessed those two grandsons. Now, in biblical terminology, that does not mean that Abraham said, I hope you have a, I mean, uh, Jacob said, I, I hope you have a good life. <laughs> no, what, what it means is I'm passing on to you the blessing of Abraham. Remember when Abraham was called, God said, I'm going to bless you to make you a blessing to the families of the earth. That was his call. That was his mandate. That was his legacy. That was his whole purpose in life. For Abraham, which was passed on to Isaac, which was passed on to Jacob, and now Jacob is saying to those two grandsons, you are called into the mission of God to let God fill you with his blessings so that you can become a blessing to the families of the earth. And I lay that blessing upon you here and now before I take my final breath. That's my legacy to you. And today, we learn all many parts of the New Testament that in the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham has now been fulfilled in Jesus. He is the blessing God gives to us. All the blessings of heavenly places, Ephesians says, have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And he is the blessing we are called to give to the nations, beginning with the people that live right next door. That is our mandate. That is our calling. That is our singular purpose for every Jesus follower. Jesus not only fulfills that promise to Abraham, that blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh, he not only fulfills it, he fills it full of himself, which takes us back to Philippians 1. Paul's just living out the reality of living for the one who fulfills and fills full this great promise that was the mandate of the people of God throughout the Old Testament till Jesus came. So that brings me back then to that plaque. Only one life will soon be passed. There's only one thing for Christ that will last. I often think maybe the epitaph I'll put on my tombstone is this. There's so much more. Not that's all, folks. <laughs> but there's so much more. Because that's really been my heart's passion. And it ought to be all of our heart's passion. That in everything we do, that in every life we touch, that we're wanting to bring people, including our grandchildren and our children, 
but anyone bring them into more of Christ because however much they know of him, there is still so much more. And that's true for every one of us. We, we need to be growing into more of Christ. We need to be experiencing more of the blessing that Jesus himself is so we have more to give uh, to others. Now, how do I want to apply all of this? <clears throat> You know, it's already being wonderfully applied in this church and has been for years. It's the mission statement for the deacon ministry, which Colleen Fletcher has led in such a wonderful way all of, all of these years. I think as long as I've been here, Colleen. Do you know what the mission statement of, of the deacon ministry that we've all benefited from, do you know what the mission statement is? Connecting the church to Christ through caring. Notice, it doesn't say connecting the church to caring, which of course would be a wonderful thing to do, obviously. But no, it doesn't say connecting the church to caring for Jesus' sake, although we would want that to be true as well. No, it says we're connecting God's people to the person of God's Son by how we care for them. Our mission in the caring is to get them into more of Christ. So that's one application. Just let's all become deacons <laughs> in that sense. Let me, let, let me just give you a dream for a minute. What if all of us at New Providence Presbyterian Church had as our primary mission in each other's lives that we're going to care for each other, we're going to love each other, we're going to minister to each other in every way we possibly can in the most practical ways possible, but with always the goal in mind, I want to minister to you in a way that can help you see more, experience more, and grow into more of Christ. If we were all deacons to one another, I swear to you, I, I believe I'd stake my whole life on this, that in a few months you would not recognize this church any longer. It would be so revolutionized. Because Jesus would do the revolution. You get people to him, and he takes them from there. Every time. So you say, well, how can I begin actually working this out in my daily life? I'm going to give you three things that are so simple, nobody can fail to do this. <laughs> that are so simple, it can become a part of your daily life and, and, and everything you do and every relationship you have beginning in your family. And if you have grandchildren, let's say then beginning with your grandchildren. Three simple things. Number one, up on the slide there it says, we need to pray them into more of Christ. And, and what you shared today, uh, Jose, was exactly, and what your son wrote, and so, exactly what I want to say at this point. There's many things we can pray for our grandchildren or for anyone else we care about. But every prayer we pray should end with this phrase, in order that, and then you fill in the blank, because the blank is about Christ. So I'm praying for your healing, I'm praying for your health, I'm praying for your, uh, your job situation, I'm praying for uh, your relationship with somebody. I mean, wh whatever I'm praying for, the end of the prayer is in order that you would answer this prayer, Father, in order that that answer would somehow take them further into Christ. Ultimately, every prayer should be a prayer 
Father, do these things to bring them into more of Christ. It's not just praying for revival that does that. <laughs> it's every prayer. Now, you can start praying that way this afternoon and go on like that for the rest of your life, and that's going to be leaning into your legacy, the legacy that matters, the one word, Christ. Secondly, uh, save them into more of Christ. You know, it says in Romans chapter uh, uh, 10 that faith comes by hearing when what is heard is the message of, of the Christ. Now, let's be clear. Christ is not his last name. <laughs> Christ is his title. It's the title of his supremacy. It's the title of his ascension. It's the title of his enthronement. It means the anointed one. He's the one whom God has anointed to fulfill every prophecy, every, every promise, every purpose of the living God. It's all in him. It's all about him. So the more we share him with each other, then faith rises in our lives. And as you know, Paul says, the Christian life is simply the obedience of faith. So if you have more of Christ, you got more of faith, you got more obedience, and that's the transform. That's how you become Christ-like. Now, that means I've got to keep growing to know more of Christ, so I've got more to talk about. But you know, if every one of us came to church on a Sunday morning with something about Jesus that we've discovered the past week that has really excited us, and we'd love to pass it on to somebody else, and we just took a moment between services, whenever it might be, and grab somebody and say, Bob, Sally, uh, if you've got 30 seconds or a minute, can I tell you what I just saw about Jesus this past week? And maybe after you take 30 seconds and share that, you might say, well, th thanks for listening. Um, let me just close this in prayer, and that you pray that the two of you would move into more of who he is based on what you just shared. I'm telling you, it will revolutionize. We'll never be the same after a while if that becomes a way of life, how we minister to one another. So we, we pray them into Christ. We say them into Christ, to more of Christ. And there's always more. Paul says, in Jesus are unsearchable riches. You'll never get to the end. Do you, do you, do you know that 10,000 years from now, and if you're a believer, you're going to be there 10,000 years from now, we'll still be discovering more of who Jesus really is. Inexhaustible. Third thing is, I call it sway them into, trying to keep a little poetry going here, sway them into more Christ. That means influence them. And that's by your example, like Paul was doing. Be a follower of me as I am of Christ. Let, let the Holy Spirit begin to use you to tantalize people just by the way you live for Jesus, your passion for him, your love for him, your likeness to him. You know, Paul said, everywhere I go, I spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ, the fragrance of him in your life that makes other people want to know. Like they said on the day of Pentecost after Peter had preached, they said, what, what must we do to be, to be saved? Actually, they didn't say that. They just said, what must we do? They didn't know what to do next. The people would actually meet you and say to themselves, what, what can I do? And maybe come to you and say, I see something different in you. What's it all about? Pray them into Christ. Say them into Christ. Sway them into Christ with your grandchildren and with everybody else, your life touches. Do you want to have a legacy that goes with you into eternity? Here it is. Lean into it. You know, when our, our, children, were, uh, our children were very young, 
babies, actually, Robin and I began a uh, little um, ritual every night when they went to bed. Uh, we, we ended up calling it uh, uh, their special thing. Robin had one, I had one. Two short blessings. And we would each individually get down when our kids were in bed and the lights were off. Actually, we, we did this with them through high school. <laughs> Not when they were in bed exactly, but when they were going to bed. But when they were, you know, we get down, get, get close to their ears. And for example, my son Benjamin, there he is laying in that uh, bed and and I would get close to his, and I would say, this was the same, I would say this, the same blessing every single night. I would say, Benjamin, I love you, and Jesus loves you. I love you because Jesus loves you. And I pray that God will make you to be a courageous follower of the Son at his right hand. A thousand times he's heard that. Now, as a, as, a, as, a, as a safety, a police officer out in Denver, he has many opportunities that he takes to share Christ in the midst of his work. And now I've started doing that same thing with my grandsons, and, uh, who I see more frequently than the other two. And I have a special thing for each one of them. And you know what? Two, two, two weeks ago, I was talking to Jaden out in Denver and Jaden said, Fopa, when we see you this summer, could you and I just sit down and talk a little bit more about Jesus? And he's only 10 years old. Okay, now I'm going to follow Jeff's example here. And uh, we're going to look at, uh, at uh, uh, first of all, the one thing to remember. Would you say it with me? Let's say it together out loud, all right? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Yeah, I hope you remember that. And then uh, a couple things to do. One, why don't you write out a blessing for someone that you love that points them to more of Christ? It could be just one sentence. And then give it to them. I, I, don't email it. I mean actually face-to-face. -face. Give it to them. Maybe even stand and read it to them and then hand it to them. Just try that. What would you put into that one or two sentence blessing? Maybe beginning with your grandchildren, if, if no one else. Number two, compose on a, on a paper what you would want chiseled about you on your tombstone. <laughs> Unless, of course, Jesus comes back first. <laughs> no, I've seen some epitaphs that are a full sentence, so what would you like on that tombstone? For me, I, I said, you know, there's always much more, but actually in the end, uh, my favorite three words in the whole Bible is Colossians 3.11, where Paul says, Christ is all. That's what I'd like. Okay, uh, the next thing is uh, three questions to think about. How would those who know you define your legacy at this moment, if they had to? How would you define it? Number two, grandparents. Okay, this is for you guys. Are there any messes in your extended family where you could bring at least one person in that mess into more of Christ to begin to help heal the broken places? I'll bet there is. 
And so you pray them into more of Christ, you say them into more of Christ, you sway them into more of Christ, and let God begin to use them along with you to start bringing healing where healing is needed. And finally, uh, the third que uh, question to think about, starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow, Memorial Day, who is one person near you that you could begin to pray, say, and sway into more of Christ and start making that a daily way of life? Just start with that one person. It might be your husband, your wife, your children, who, somebody in this congregation, whoever. But let's get started. Because what's at stake isn't just that we get blessed, but that we become much more a blessing bringing Christ to many, many others. Father, um, we, just, we want to end with praise to the Son of God and all the riches that are in Him. And pray, Father, that You would fill us to, to an overflowing so that those riches come out of us and into the lives of many, many others, even inside this congregation. Till as you said to Jeremiah, we, together, as God's people at New Providence Presbyterian Church, become a praise, a joy, and a renown to the name of Jesus in all the earth. We pray it in his name together. Amen.